Ladies at the Roundtable Podcast, a journey into the realms of sci-fi and fantasy. This week on Ladies at the Roundtable, we are discussing Firefly, the classic TV sci-fi show from 2002, which kind of shocked me when I looked at the date because I feel a little old suddenly, which happens a lot with these. But like when it was one I watched as a kid, I feel like I should be old because I am old. But then this one I watched as an adult and I'm like, wait a minute. No. Why is this old? Suddenly I'm older. Yeah. I also didn't think it was all that long ago, honestly. And I didn't, I had, this is the first time I watched it. And I definitely was surprised how old it was. It's almost 20 years old. Yeah. Crazy. Miles. Disclaimer. From this point forward, the following podcast may contain spoilers. And the ladies at the roundtable assume that anyone listening to this podcast has already watched the show and or read the books and have no intention of being apologetic about it. Listener discretion is advised. We start every episode with our plot summary in a sentence. So, Max, what's yours? Uh-huh. Whippy group of outcasts working questionable jobs. <laughs> Joey? Yeehaw, but in space. <laughs> and mine, as long as always. We follow a ragtag group of outlaws in space, the final frontier as they do jobs on dusty planets to keep their spaceship moving and getting to appreciate the characters just in time to lose them. This has a long history of being kind of a cult classic. I watched it a few years after it came out and enjoyed it at at the time, at that time in my life. Um, And I- I've literally never heard anything bad about it. I feel like that's important to say. Yeah, so let's really quickly just talk about this. This was your first time watching it, Joey, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's new to you. Okay. Completely new. I knew that there was something about a floral bonnet, but that was literally <laughs> the end of it. I had seen it once and enjoyed it. And I watched, I bought the movie and watched the movie and enjoyed it. And um, then hadn't revisited it since. How about you, Max? I saw it, oh my gosh, I think I was out of high school, like before I went to college or something, because all my friends were nerds and we'd do movies nights and stuff. And then I bought, like I bought the set at some point and I watched it as kind of like background. Every so often I would put it on and I loved it. I used to love this show. And now they're definitely probably not going to watch it anytime soon. (laughs) It has some problems. Yeah, we're learning so much just as we grow older, as we see different possibilities for what things can be. I think uh, just in general, we, at least me and my friends and you guys who we've spoken in, in our podcast, we're becoming more aware of what could be instead of comparing it to what is out there. And when we compare Firefly to what came out in 2002 and what sci-fi shows were like before Firefly, it makes sense why two things happened. First, it got canceled. (laughs) And two, why everyone still talks about it and thinks it's a really great show. So I do want to get into all of the problems with it, but let's start just by talking about 
why it is kind of a cult classic and why people go back to it and say it's one of these great sci-fi shows, even though it only had the 14 episodes and the one season. So do you guys have thoughts on that? Well, it's very campy. You know, there's um, there's a lot of characteristics in a couple of the main characters that are really favorable. There's like this big overarching question of like what is going on with River and why is she able to to kind of be a badass all of a sudden and um, so I feel like there was just so much mystery there and, and lots of questions. And then I don't know what it is about people with cowboys in space, but I swear I, I, there was other things that came out with like cowboys and aliens and people were like going nuts about it. And um, I definitely had a couple people who were like, Joey, how do you not like think this is the best thing ever? I was like, I think it's weird. Like I like both of those things kind of separated pretty far apart. Um, the fact that you're putting all together is a little weird to me. And so I think, I think there's that kind of following for it too, is the people who just think that that's all really interesting. And, and I mean, it was interesting. I think it had a lot of promise. I think had I, I probably would have watched it at the time had I had known about it. Um, cause I didn't know about it until a couple years later, but I don't know. I don't know. There was. Yeah, I think I I like what you said about mystery. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery there. Uh, There are. All of the characters are, we don't know everything about them. And Mm -hmm. you are kind of given breadcrumbs and pieces. And just really by by the second half, it really was rolling. I think all of the actors knew their characters a little better. And uh, Mm -hmm. we started to see uh, more, more depth to each character. Um, the, it started off with like a whole lot of just kind of like, I don't know, all these people suck <laughs> right there. He shot a horse. He shoots a horse on purpose. That's terrible. And then you start to see kind of more facets of every single character. Um, I think that the fact that comedy was brought into this was new. We had seen kind of lighthearted comedy and we had seen serious and this was kind of a mesh. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, and forgive me if there's other examples, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that, that do such a good Not job of kind of blending by 2002. Yeah. Um, yeah now we see them well. everywhere. We have higher expectations. <laughs> Even for the time, one of the major reasons why they got canceled was because Fox felt it was too serious. Um, and I think that was kind of why a little bit more of the humor was upped a little bit, especially when you got a little farther down, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, I guess, what the time was asking for, what 2002 was asking for. They also, I mean, Fox didn't do a great job of promoting or like helping the series out at all. They, they showed it out of order. So it's not like that was very helpful. They worked hard to make it fair. Right. So I don't think they really cared for it to begin with. Well, politically, Fox is a big fan of the Alliance. So this kind of does mess things up for that. But I don't want to talk too much about politics. I do want to talk about the top 10 shows for 2002 to give us a feel for what people were out there expecting on TV. Mm -hmm. We have the number one Mm -hmm. show was 24 which is like hyper-realistic, un- I well, unrealistic, that. but 
it's you know a mystery <laughs> cop show csi yeah cop kind of show curb mm-hmm. your enthusiasm on hbo which i have never seen I've but never interesting seen alias which was um that's the woman right mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good I have one. a friend that absolutely adores it, and I've, I've heard good things. I watched an episode. I didn't really get into it. but Yeah, I remember it, watching it when it was on. It was a long time ago, though. I would have to refresh Gardner, my right? memory. Friends, The Sopranos, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Everybody Loves Raymond, Boomtown, and Gilmore Girls. So we have a whole lot of kind of lighthearted or serious you know like investigation and it's a there's not really kind of any of those middle ground kind of shows the only kind of sci-fi fantasy of all of this really is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer which had been around for quite a while which is also his (laughs) it's also Joss Whedon's yeah right so with the exception of um 24 which was set up this way on purpose Every one of those shows has an episode that kind of all, all balled up at the end. Like everything kind of has a conclusion and you can move on to the next one without having necessarily seen the one before it. In mm-hmm. Firefly, it really felt like there was this major arc. It wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of shows where they'll have a two-parter and it's, you know, and it's, it's a huge deal or there's a three-story arc. It was kind of the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, all, all these questions were there every single time. And that's not something people were used to right then. Exactly. Yes. And now we see it all yeah. the time. Yeah. How long did Lost go on where you, no one Don't. knew what was on the island or whatever you're, it was? You're all lost. <laughs> I never watched that. You haven't watched Lost? I never watched either, but I thought that the it did not sound... Oh Neither wait, no, I think okay, I think I saw the first part of the first episode. No. Does some dude get like chopped up in an um a plane thing? Well, they all go down in a plane crash, I know that. Oh, I thought someone got like hit in it. Like Lost is the very first show I binged. It was the first show that I could mm. watch because I waited. I didn't watch it when it was on TV. I got I Netflix was new and I sat <laughs> my iPad in front of me and my headphones and watched, I binged the whole thing. So it, it has a special place in my heart. I did it with a lot because of, of that. I, uh, from this point on, I mean, after that, I binged a lot, but it was the first one. So I yeah. always remember that. And the first one I did that with was X-Files. That has a lot of seasons, doesn't it? X-Files, that would have taken good yeah. stuff though. Good shows. It was. So everything was pretty lighthearted or super serious. So this had a new place. It was a new kind of thing. It was different enough that an edgy, right? So I can see why it didn't quite work in that setting, but it was kind of groundbreaking. It, it showed Mm -hmm. lots of things that have been repeated. So, uh, if you have either of you watched the expanse, nope. Have either of you watched dark matter? No, nope. No. Okay. So these are two shows that I love. And <laughs> if, if you take this cast, like the archetype characters and just pick them up, put them over and put them in this new plot, which is also in space, you have pretty much all of the same characters. We have a distant, difficult, but lovable leader, a hard ass fighting woman with leadership qualities, a super <laughs> capable pilot with sarcastic comedy as a character trait. 
a hardcore fighting guy that seems like he has no heart, but actually has a soft side, which in his case is the hat from his mom. Uh, and then a lighthearted young girl genius. And yeah. those characters are like, if I said there. that without saying Firefly, people would totally know which character to put in those places for those other shows. Yeah. I watched um, it one time. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about each one. Um, yeah. And I can think of other shows where it's like the exact thing, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting to me that the pilot always is that one character or, you know, it, it was just, it, mm-hmm. it seems to be kind of people are taking the lead from it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've talked about some of these good things. I really want to start getting into some of the problems that we have with it, because I think there's quite a few. Um, oh, we haven't gotten to the problem. Okay. No, I felt like have... some of those were problems. <laughs> So even more um, serious problems. <laughs> yeah. Let's just um, really, let's really tackle mm-hmm. the one that's like, there's two big ones. The first, I just, mm-hmm. the female characters in this show are not respected. No. There's a few times where they kind of are, but they are. Like, I like that Mal likes Kaylee and hires her because she knows what she's doing. Right. So we see that. But the society he likes is Kaylee for different reasons than he likes the others. He likes Kaylee genuinely, which is nice because he, he doesn't like her for, for this or that. He likes who she is as a person and thinks it's wonderful that she can fix the ship. That's like the only relationship on the ship that I think is kind of healthy. I feel like it's like a big brother, like little sister kind of mm-hmm. deal. It seems like he's very protective of her. I mean, he's protective of the whole crew, but it seems like he's way more yeah. protective of her. Yeah. Which, and I like, I like that relationship. I like that he took care of her. She wanted to wear the pretty dress. He lets her wear the pretty dress. He's still kind of an asshole, but he like he makes sure that she gets to be in the pretty dress. She gets to keep it. And, and he doesn't and talk things. down he to her either. Her in a way, he doesn't look out. No, and he gets upset if people talk down to her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he takes care of her in a way he doesn't take care of the other members of the crew or people on the ship. Um, and I, I liked that about those about that relationship. Where the other women on the on just in general in society, we see parties and balls where all of the women are, you know, haughty and flippant and dressy and they're mm-hmm. just show dolls and we have the companion who's highly sought after and there were so many companions in this show yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. almost all but not all but almost all of the female characters in this show from episode to episode no matter where they were were almost all companions or sex workers almost yeah. all of them mm-hmm. or had been trained had some training in it yeah, and they were treated like crap. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm curious. Were all trained. Well, we've saw two. We kind of only saw two levels of the society. We saw like the more outer rim, like the poor, and then the very mm-hmm. rich. We I don't know mm-hmm. if we ever saw like that middle Mm-mm. group of people. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like there yeah, are just the two. Is. So yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like. Most space sci-fi shows have aliens or robots, right? They kind of are these impetus for what's going on, right? And this is one of the few that actually is kind of almost, I can see 
some realism here. In 500 years, if we had to go and find other places to live, there would be a whole lot of money put into some of it. And then everybody else would kind of be on their own. And I think the whole Mm -hmm. frontier play on words, right? So we have the frontier where it's like our wild west, but that actually makes a lot of sense because if we're dumping people on a planet and they have very Mm -hmm. little resources, they're going to just use the resources that are there. Yeah. I don't know how many of these planets are going to be like the wild west and dusty, but they seem to all be like that. Um, So we have a ton of haves and haves nots. And I can't, I think that it Mm -hmm. makes sense that there wouldn't be kind of a middle ground. You either have the resources to live in a society or else you're on the frontier, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And there were two levels of sex workers, right? We had the women who were codified and had their credentials mm-hmm. and somehow they that had made credentials. Them... They went for their special exams every year or two years. I can't remember what they had to get what recertified. Said. Yeah, for two days at an like exam went... table or yeah. it was it was a, it was a bit much. Yeah. Now the the fact that there were sex workers is not the part that bothers me. I want to be really clear on that. That's yeah a valid trade that exists for a reason. The way that each one of those individuals was treated is why I'm ticked off. Just to make that clear. Yeah, because this is, uh, but I mean, ultimately, they're treated very similarly in this show. Yeah. What people are treated in modern day here in mm-hmm. 20 or 2002 or even 2021, right? We aren't yeah. seeing society go anywhere. Oh, they're in space, but they're yeah. still sexist they're still treating the women all the problems are still there yeah and i i oh 10 years ago i might have been like there's no way change is going to happen but the pandemic has really just dampened my optimism about that because i thought i thought this was going to change things and guess what it hasn't i mean yeah we wear masks yeah we you know it's changed a few things like that but no society, mm-hmm. no societal shift has occurred. I thought this would be the great time to put into place some of these progressive actions like UBI, try that, or, you know, all these different things. Nope, nothing. Nope. Going right back to where we were. People have been is... disappointing, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, maybe in 500 years, we will still be a sexist society that is in space. Well. I think that the elements of that are probably always going to exist one way or another, whether they're so overpowering as they are now or not. I think that I think that that's kind of inescapable because of who, who people are as people, as human beings. Um, but I very much, well, you know, what, when it's I, when part I of the system, it, too, you know, like it's yeah, built in. Absolutely. So we have to it's like dismantle a bunch right. of shit to then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's. It sucks. There's lots of a lot to change. So much. Yes. It's it's Ugh. such a much bigger problem than I think people act like it is. They're like, oh well, you know, well, you can make 38 more cents a dollar or whatever. And <laughs> that's not that's not fooling anybody. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is is massive. And it's in every level of, of kind of existence. Yeah. But what gets me about it is that 
So we've got we've got all these companions, and we've got how how they're treated. I mean, even even by Mal, who's supposed to be this great guy, um, they're, they're being really treated like garbage. And you know, when I watch a lot of um, like Star Trek is kind of my thing. When I watch these, you know, future societies, you expect things to get somewhat better. You know, even in Star Trek, there are still huge problems and that's a lot of the political basis in it. But here it's like, not only do these problems exist, but we're not going to do anything about it. Yet, this show was really pushed as so progressive. And yeah. it's just not. It just doesn't hold up to that. And exactly. I was really disappointed because even, even like people that I know that absolutely love this show still talk about and watched it all the time still talk about how progressive the show is. And I just watched, I'm like, what the hell did you watch? Because it's not the same thing I did, surely. Because this is not, I can see why And in 2002, it could be seen that way. But somebody who watched it again this year, like you can't possibly be feeling the same way about it, right? Right. And up. that's me. Yeah, I feel that way right now. I, I yeah. Here is why it was progressive in 2002. Zoe was one of the main characters. When we look on IMDb at the list of cast characters, half of the 10 are women names, leads. That was a, mm-hmm. I mean, that was not happening, especially a in a, a oh. yes. So were they progressive for 2002? Yes. We have yeah. come, we, mm-hmm. we have higher expectations now. We don't want baby steps. We want jump. We do. <laughs> So I think I see that. Definitely. Yeah. I can definitely see how it, how it could be touted as that back then. But what I don't understand is what people are still saying it. It's just not true. Yeah. That's confusing to me. I, because I remember it being like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is great. Like women are kicking, but they aren't being over like, Mm -hmm overly objectified it's it seemed I was like oh I can actually kind of relate to these characters and now I'm watching it knowing what I know grow like learning and stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's not like I it's really it was hard to watch there were really cringy moments and I was like why why yeah. did I love this so much and I was really mad kind of at myself for being like, oh my gosh, I love this show. Yourself. And now I'm like, oh, this is. But here's the deal. <sighs> we grow up. <laughs> we grow up and we see things with yeah. more layers. We are, we are harder on things. We have higher expectations. And as a society, we're growing up. So. I don't see a lot of change happening on a big scale, but I should retract a little bit of what I said earlier, because what has happened for, you know, just gender in general over the last 10 years is huge, you know? So yeah, we have these kind of uh, issues with the, you know, their sex workers being treated poorly and, but that's almost all women, except for when they were in the, the, uh, house with the brothel the brothel brothel? with the pregnant woman there were men there right so that was so 
Yeah, there were. That was kind of an interesting point because they were like, oh, do you think that they serve as women ever? Like, oh, it's interesting. And it wasn't like a joke. I don't know. I think the whole. Yeah, no, they weren't mean hearted about it. It was a curious question from somebody who didn't know, which I think is kind of how people should more behave than they do currently. Um, And that didn't bother me at all. Um, There was a lot of things that bothered me, but for whatever reason, that episode didn't bother me as much. I feel like a lot of other shows would have been really crude, especially then, like make like weird gay jokes or I don't know. Oh yeah, a lot of them. Just be extra rude and this it was just kind of like a oh this is a thing cool it's kind of done <laughs> you know like right. that was yeah. the extent of it so i mean and that was 2002 we saw the companion take a woman counselor or something mm-hmm. like that and so i mean that yeah that was groundbreaking at the time now we are familiar with it and comfortable with it i i mean Hopefully, as a society, I'm sure there are still people out there who are not comfortable with it, but we see it often yeah. in TV. I mean, I feel like that was just one of those things where it's like, ooh, girl on girl shit's hot. So we're going to put it in yeah. here because why not? And then, of course, then they're showing that them making out or doing whatever. So it wasn't like, oh, we're doing this to be progressive. It's like, oh, we're doing this because it's like, Yes. People find this hot. Or and when and now that we have more information about Joss Whedon in general, we we mm-hmm. see it with a that lens, right? We're we're yeah. gonna be a little harder on these choices and think, oh well, probably his choice was to say that it was just to get people like, oh, that is hot. Um, yeah. and to they even have a, this I mean, like sci-fi. Male, male dominated, dominated mo- yeah. mainly. Yeah, seems like in uh, in 1995, October 30th, 1995, there was a um a episode of Deep Space Nine, which is Star Trek. I'll bring it up almost every episode. You can't stop me. But in this episode, a um a trill by the name of Dax, um, who so she she's female and her symbiote, which is like a little worm inside of her, is male. And um, was her past host, or was uh, his past host was also male, and was married to a woman. The Jadzia Dax meets up with this woman again, and they kiss on screen. It was a huge deal. That was progressive. Yes, I want to show as much of this person's body as I can on screen mm-hmm. um, to get a rise out of people which is what happened in this episode that we were just discussing in Firefly, not progress. I can see why people liked that, I guess. But Along with the joke about Jane going, I'm going to my bunk. Right. Yeah. Over and over. He said it yeah, what, he, three, four times? He did it three or, yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, repeatedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where Kaylee yeah. came up and she's like, interesting. And that, you know, oh. that was her reaction. So. Um, oh, she just talked about how pretty they both were and she's, yeah. she's always so sweet and so kind so let's discuss Joss Whedon um, I think I think we're going to have to go into a little bit of detail but I don't want to do too much because you know what 
it, it's it's the kind of conversation. Well, we have little, we have a trigger warning on this, don't we? Or we can have a warning or something. Yeah. We put one in right here. Yeah. So just consider this your content warning. We'll be talking about Joss Whedon and his problematic behavior on sets. So um, Joss Whedon has his hand in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy TV shows and movies. He mm-hmm. is involved with. Um, it started. I think his first one was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. I so. uh, uh, we have Firefly, Dollhouse. He was involved with uh, the Avengers. He was also he came, involved in Toy Story. Toy Story. Really? He came in on. Which bothers me on weird levels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he came in on um, the the Agents of Shield. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of. Avengers, and Wonder Woman, it looks like. Well, Dr. So, Horrible Sing Along blog. Oh, right. So I he's, forgot he's about that one. had a hand in a lot of sci fi and fantasy. And yeah. what has happened is because of his success, he is kind of higher up on the list, right? I mean, and that's what happens. If you're mm-hmm. good at something, people are like, oh, you're good at that. So you get clout and power. And mm-hmm. what we are finding is, he didn't use that power very well. <laughs> he used it as a he used bully. It for the exact same crap. Rather than uh, a new package. Right. And I mean, so Hollywood in general is kind of, we hear a lot of terrible stories in general just about this male dominance and, um, and minorities being mistreated. And, uh, but there's a lot coming out very recently about Joss Whedon and how he treated females working under him and how he treated um, the, the actor who played cyborg in uh, justice league that people are starting to actually speak up his first name. Fisher. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's a lot of new information coming out and it sounds to me, it's my take on it. I don't know him. I don't know any of these people. Joss Whedon is your classic chauvinist male in power, is what it sounds like to me. So that's my take on it. Yeah, he's he was getting away with it. Ray Fisher, that's the that's um, Victor Stone's character's actor. Um, yeah, no, he's been he's been getting away with it and being praised for it. So why wouldn't he keep doing the same crap? You know, he was he was abusive to people in Buffy, and then. I don't know anything about that. Nothing happened. Abusive to other characters, like continuously, this continuously happened. And then, of course, you're not, like, if you're not getting what reprimanded, if there's no accountability. Yeah. If no one. Consequences. Yeah. Saying, hey, you can't do this sometimes. Like, ah, no, but that shouldn't even, I don't know. I think I was going somewhere with it, but my brain. Well, it's very frustrating and it's almost like you feel like you can't do anything to affect this problem. We run into it day in and day out as women in every setting, whether we're watching TV, whether we're talking to, you know, whether we're going shopping, wherever we are, society is going to have that, you know, and so to know, to see the realistic thing behind our shows is heartbreaking but at the same time not surprising and we want to well, i care about the actors in the shows that i love 
I care a lot about them. And I, well, I don't stalk them or I, I never even met any of the actors and shows that I, I adore. Um, but I care a lot about them. And I certainly care if they're not being treated properly while they're doing something yeah. that I love. Exactly. Like I would hate to find out. And I do hate when I find out that um, an actor or actress felt so terribly um, about the project that they had worked on that I had, I had invested so much time and energy into loving. And then I have to start thinking about whether or not, well, I don't have to, but I do. I, I, when I watch it again, or I experience it again, Mm -hmm. I look at their faces. I'm like, maybe that face isn't because they're acting. Maybe that face is because that was when they had just gotten ripped a new one because they blinked or God knows what, you know, um, because the director was awful or, you know, whatever. And then it ruins the experience for me a lot, but it also it makes me upset and, and worried for those actors. I, I, I like them. I, I genuinely like them. They do a good job and they're just people just doing their job. Why on earth do they have to be treated like crap? No one needs to be treated like that. Yeah. And there are people who, who put their emotions out there. Like they are, mm-hmm. they are making, because of the skill that it takes to show emotion, they have to, that has to come from somewhere. And so they mm-hmm. are, not, I don't think the word isn't fragile, but they are, um, no, uh, what's the they're human. I mean, they, they hurt the same way everyone does and they respond, you know, to certain types of feedback and things just the way everyone does. I mean, can you imagine if you had a boss that treated you the way that Josh Whedon has been treating his actors? Yeah, and I mean, and that's just the actors we're hearing about. How does he treat all the other people, the hundreds of other people who we don't see on screen? Right. How's he treating them? And people who don't speak out. I mean, and people are scared to speak out. And Hollywood is. I was best boy number three. No one knows who you are, but you know, you can't you can't say anything about it because no one knows. Because you want another job, and Hollywood is very closed off and protective of itself. Yeah, And even, um, so the history of Hollywood is when they, they started policing themselves a long time ago, um, because they didn't Mm -hmm. want the government, the government was starting to be like, oh, wait, we don't like seeing kissing on TV. That's a bad influence. So Hollywood execs came together and put together these rules. It was not other people putting the rules on themselves. They were controlling what was coming out of on film. Mm-hmm. So they had like this three second rule for kisses. You can't have a kiss that lasts more than three seconds in a film. So if you go back and watch old mm-hmm. movies, no kiss lasts for more than two or three seconds because that was a rule, but it wasn't a law. It wasn't put in place by, you know, the United States government. Mm-hmm. It was just these expectations. Definitely policing themselves. Yeah. Right. So when we, when, you know, if you read an article and it says there was an investigation, be careful and realize that those investigations are done not by third parties who don't care. They're done by people who Mm -hmm. are influenced by Hollywood, hired by Hollywood. And when I say Hollywood, obviously it's not like one person, but there are people in power there and they're protecting themselves. So um, when you hear someone speaking out, they're, very brave. They are risking a lot and you should believe them because they're not going to be saying that for no reason. So 
that's just my two cents right. on all that. Or maybe that was four or five cents because I went on for a while. <laughs> I, I agree. So I think we should talk about the question of, do you separate art from the artist here? Ooh. Because <laughs> we have this loaded question. This is a loaded question. And we have mm. Firefly as a TV show, which we have already discussed what we like and don't mm -hmm. like about it in general terms. And then yeah. we all can agree that we are not very pleased with the writer director. So nope. how do you or do you or should you keep the art and the artist separate? I'm going to start and do my take on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it's important to remember, this is different than a book. This is not the JK Rawlings question because yeah. JK Rawlings wrote Harry Potter. It was all her. Mm -hmm. The book was all her. We are talking mm -hmm. about a TV show, which takes producers, actors, editors, musicians. There are so many artists involved with this. Screen so yeah. screenwriters. I mean, as you said, busboy number three, we are talking about multitude of artists, not one artist. So I, I just, I feel important. It's not, the same. it's not the same thing. And so can you separate the two? No, because Joss Whedon will always have a hand in this, but I think it is also possible to look at his hand. Exactly. Exactly. All of these, like TV and film is a community event. <laughs> it is made by a whole lot of people and um, every little bit people. affects that. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take. I don't think you're wrong. I, there's a, it, it really upsets me because I don't, I feel like I'm so often clueless when I'm finding something that I really like and I'm, I'm like devouring it. Um, books and films and things like that and then I get to the end and I discover something about the um, the creator that is upsetting and I think well how could I, I I feel betrayed I guess like how could I have enjoyed something that you made so much when you don't make your life about not necessarily the same things that I do because I don't have to align completely with the creator right but against some things that like I have a very firm stance on that I can't, I can't cross those lines. So how could I, how could I not see those things in there? And then often when I go back through, because I am one of those people that like, I can't, I can't just like a book. I have to read it until I hate it so that I can like it more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so like I devour them and I read them over and over and over again. And then when I read them again later, I'm like, that was right there the whole time. And either nobody noticed or I certainly didn't notice. And now I can't enjoy them as much, not just because the creator sucks, but because all these little things are laced in there and I don't like it. You know, it's, it feels yucky, basically. Yeah. You know, when I read a book, I'm interpreting it, right? I'm the one reading it, isn't it? Yeah. It's new to me, but it's coming to me. So mm -hmm. I'm interpreting it and reading it as myself. If I don't, for example, I am not, I, I have a multitude of LGBTQ friends and I love them all. When I read a story, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have any thoughts like JK Rowling's might have of excluding or 
not appreciating a person of certain. So I'm just not even going, it's not like going to register to me. I won't as the, as the reader, it won't occur to me to think about that. Obviously sometimes they're very obvious and they say things this, you know, that are like, wait, but often you'll read a story and you won't realize. And as you said, you go through Mm -hmm. the second time with the knowledge and suddenly it's a new experience because you're, it's all right there. Yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't think of it because that's not you. You know? <laughs> no, because I don't think about those things. Anytime we consume an artwork of any type, we're always looking at it with our own personal lens, right? Um, yeah. We experience artworks of all forms very differently from one another and very differently from what the original creator may have thought. Um, with books, we have kind of you know, these beautiful guidelines. Yeah, we always read in between the lines, right? I mean, how many books have you you read that somebody else said something later like well don't you think that and then there, here's a piece of canon lore that they've made that you know isn't there there's there's nothing to back it up but it's fun to think about in between <laughs> um so we we always lace those things inside right and even in films and things um you know a look between actors who are just standing there because they have to be in the background but aren't you know they're not doing anything but they look at each other a certain way or whatever and suddenly like now we have all this extra canon lore right right it's, it's these silly little things um and it makes our experiences all very different um but things like this where there are so many hands at the wheel it's a lot harder because these aren't little nuances these aren't little things that maybe we picked up on or maybe they aren't really there these things are there and you can you can be upset with the creator and the creators because we as we just talked about there's a lot of them there but each person had a hand in it and you can't take that away from them right max do you have any thoughts on this i have so many thoughts this has been like a <laughs> a constant struggle since like artists like but traditional artists and finding out their history and being like, well, crap, I really like this piece. How do I now deal with that issue? And then really when JK Rowling turf nonsense happened, um, some things I think you, it's so, I guess I was specifically with Firefly, since we're talking about Firefly, we're not talking about Harry Potter, like, Nope. I mean, it's brought up because this is like, it's a thing that's happening right now. Um, Firefly is, and Joss Whedon, there's no way to ever disconnect them. Like, you watch the show and his name's like huge and all over the screen. Anytime I watch Firefly now, I'm going to have these thoughts of, I know what he did with this show. I'm or what he's done in the past so I what is it I'm not necessarily I'm even though it's a group of people I kind of that doesn't bother me to say I'm just not going to support Joss Whedon anymore I'm not going to see his stuff I'm not going to give him them he doesn't need your support he has plenty of support that he doesn't deserve already don't give him any more like, I'm not going to give him any more of my money. I'm not going to 
talk about how great Firefly is, like, because it's kind of like, that's, it's his baby, you know what I mean? Like, this is his creation. He's, this is all him. Yeah, I mean, people helped with these other aspects, but he directed how those things would play into the show. Um, and things, things can change. He can come back from this and say, my bad, I sucked. I messed up. This is how I'm going to fix it. This is how I'm going to do better and be a better human and treat people better. And you know what? I think I'd be a little more okay with it. Yeah. And we're not seeing that so far from him. No, I was going to say that. Like, right. And it doesn't, I mean, he's specifically, he's doubled down. He's like, oh no, I read the script and it's great. I don't know what (laughs) you're just like, okay, you're missing the whole point, dude. Yeah. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you all was like, if like, because I mean, we've mentioned two different things that have some serious allegations going on that are pretty obvious to most viewers. Um, But I mean, if, if some of these creators did come up and apologize, would you feel differently about it? If, if they did Uh, with the two examples we've given today, one has said, I have absolutely nothing to apologize for. And the other is said is blaming the victims. Right. Um, But would that change your viewpoint? So I asked, because there's an actor that I admire a lot that said something really inappropriate one time. He said it kind of in like a boys room kind of situation, boys locker room kind of situation and apologized later. And I forgive, I forgive him because I think that he really got lost in what was going on and realized later how hurtful the comment was. And he has apologized. I don't think he's apologized repeatedly or anything, but he did apologize. And I, I felt that he was honest and sincere. And I've certainly never heard any more of that kind of behavior from him. Um, but if Josh Whedon tomorrow said, you know what, I was wrong, would you believe him? I would. And here's why. Because he's not going to do it. The only reason he would do it is if he meant it. Now, also, you have to have follow through, right? So if he says it and then goes back to doing exactly the same thing, then, you know, nope. But if, if somebody, not these people specifically, but if someone Mm -hmm. says out in public, you know, like press conference or whatever, I was wrong about this. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about that. Mm -hmm. Especially people in positions of power, then that actually is a big step. Because what they're doing is they're lowering their power, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. by admitting that they're wrong. Now, there's been a long, long history of Joss Whedon doing many things over and over and over again. So Mm -hmm. one quick little, Mm -hmm. sorry, ain't going to cut it. Right. But I think a true apology and then a follow through with action and change of action would be enough. I would I would definitely be open to forgiveness. Not forgiveness, but yeah, I have forgiveness. You move on if people can learn from their own mistakes. I'm not a fan of punishing people forever. You know, I I I don't believe in that. Um I I believe that, you know, if if someone's a really crappy person and they they seek 
um, forgiveness and they, or even that forgiveness because they know that they were wrong enough that they don't deserve it or whatever, that there's, there's something there to work with as, as a human. Um, the actor I had mentioned did say a pretty awful thing and did apologize and has shown um, that they know that they were wrong and has shown that, you know, they've, they've learned something from that experience. Um, but I feel like with, with the way the uh, Wheaton is act, acted, I don't know that that's, I don't know that redemption's even there, you know? Yeah. You don't get to treat people awful forever and then say, you know what, I was wrong. I'm going to make another show that you guys will like and, and I'll, I'll be better about it this time. Like, that's not how it works. Right. You can't be awful forever and then expect it to go away. Um, and I, I brought up the forgiveness thing because um, we had all read an article um, where Ray Fisher um, wasn't necessarily saying everything that he needs to say about um, the way he was treated at um, the Justice League set by Josh Whedon, or Josh Whedon. Um, but he said a lot more than I think we've been able to read thus far. And he was get offered some kind of bizarre apologies, it sounds like, that weren't really apologies. They were just kind of, yeah, somebody messed up some kind of statement. Right. Um, and we need to remember that that's not an apology. Right. If they can't say what was wrong, how it was wrong, and how they're going to do better, like you were just talking about, then there's there's nothing there behind it. Yeah. 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 And that's true in your personal life too, people, if you're listening <laughs> and someone apologizes to you, what Joey just described is exactly what you need. <laughs> that was advice from Mama Joey. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, their apologies have to be legit. You can't just say, like, I may have done something, like, or just have it. It's always very vague. I regret my past re- actions. Right. And they don't say specifically what, because then, then that would make them actually liable or whatever, potentially. Right. And then you've got, yeah. and then they'll potentially, what, throw some money at it? And then <laughs> you're like, cool, they have plenty of money. But I don't know if. Because you were saying, Joey, that he would just go and make a new show if he apologized. Be like, oh, cool. Let me make this new I show. I don't do. even think, honestly, I'd be like, I, I think, don't. yeah, I think, I think because of what he does before is he would, he would say that he would, it, you know, theoretically, because he's not apologizing and he's not even hinting the fact that he thinks he did right. anything wrong. Not really. Um, he's, he's admitted that there were some problems. And, no, he's and, done the opposite. He was, he's explained his reasons. He's really, his reasons. he's doubled down. He's doubled down and he's like, yeah. I'm not. And, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think if he did have an apology to give, I, I, which I think anybody should accept anything from him, but I think he would make another show and say, you know, look, I can, look, I've, I've treated these people better and I've done these things better. But how does that fix all the broken things that you did? It doesn't fix the fact that you treated Ray Fisher like shit. It doesn't fix the fact that you treated um, Gal like shit. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't change any of those things. Um, because you treated somebody else better is still showing that you treat some people better than others, you know? Uh, so he was part of the Nevers, which looked very interesting to me. I but know. he is not anymore. He got kicked off. Like from him, he said, 
it was too much. His statement had something to do with it being too difficult to do because of the pandemic. But it also, I think, was conveniently timed. I think HBO kicked him off. But that's just my thinking. So So it may have been well-deserved. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Um, give someone else a chance, like an up-and-coming director or someone to direct. There's a lot of other talented people. Right. A lot of women, talented women out there who could direct some stuff and write some stuff and produce some stuff. And who do. Yeah. So I have one last thing to say about Joss Whedon because I just feel like it has to be said. Okay. I was watching Justice League and I'm going to watch the remake of the, the, the new cut. Snyder cut. The Snyder yeah. cut soon. Good. And Good. I'm really excited about it. I've done a lot of research about everything. Um, Joss Whedon's version, he came in to happy it up. To make it more lighthearted, yeah. and here it's is obvious. my here is my problem. I loved yeah. that the DC universe was dark. Like it was, it was a good break Bingo. from all of the Avengers. I like that too. I love the mm. Avengers. I think they're fun, and that, I like all the the campy fun stuff, right? And the jokes all the it's time. Very campy. It's good. I'm. I, I, I hear but you. It, it kind of just made me upset. <laughs> And I, here I was watching the freaking, I was, I don't know if it's going to be true when I watch the second Zack Snyder version. I haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> the story was exactly the same. Like the way they, like the bad guy had to get all of the pieces together to destroy. You ruin it for me. I haven't seen any of it. It's so, it's so generic that so it doesn't even long. matter. I'm not ruining anything. Yeah, no, it's no, like, she's actually, it's no. just like plot. Wait, this is the Avengers plot. That's like for a minute I was just like, wait, what? Oh yeah. Oh, I kind of don't care too much. I've watched them all out of order. <laughs> oh, the Marvel? I've yeah, I've watched everything out of order and I'm kind of a I watched a couple of the Marvel movies. I'm not a Marvel fan. I'm like, I mean, it's neat, but it is very happy and it is more campy and there are more jokes and things. And so if like if I want to watch something that's kind of in that in that league that's where i would mm-hmm. go for it right but i like when things are a little bit more gritty and um and that's what dc gives me and so yeah. I, I like that about it and it is a very different i mean it is the same film right we have the same main villain and he's out to do the same thing but you're going to see a lot more of that villain and you're going to see a lot more of um kind of who these individuals are as people and not just who they are as superheroes with a quick line right like they're not perfect i I loved that those jokes were gone in the snyder cut yeah they're they're gone and i'm yeah i'm looking forward to watching it i'm that's like on my my short so which order do you think you should watch it then should i watch the snyder cut second or first so i liked it that way I would watch it second. second. I would watch because uh, here's the deal. Everybody else, if you watch Justice League in theaters or on, you know, on TV over the last two years, it's been the first one, the Joss Whedon cut. It was the and only one for a long time. Exactly. And Zack oh, Snyder. this isn't brand new? This isn't Zack like- Snyder was the original director. He was almost all the way through and then his child committed suicide. And he had to step back. So he stepped out 
And he and his wife were, had been working on this project for like a decade to bring it into, to, to happen. They had filmed so much, all the sequences, it was ready to go, but he had to stop. Mm -hmm. And they brought in Joss Whedon and they said, we want to cheer it up a little bit, make it happier. And he cut out so much and changed so much and brought the actors in to do like bit scenes to kind of cobble together the story he wanted to portray. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then he did change some of the story. Yeah. So he, not the main things, but he changed a lot. He edited it and changed it. And Zack Snyder, since it came out, was like, that's not my story. That's not what I wanted to tell. That is not what we had been planning all this time. And what was it? Last month, his cut. He went and re re-edited and created his version of the film. And it just came out recently. And I'm really excited it does to watch fit it. In four hours. <laughs> when it does did the fit first in about four hours? But it's 2016, good. I think. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I I haven't seen that. So. And it's old enough that my bad, you can totally ruin it because it's at this we're point, I gonna, probably should have seen gonna. it. You deserve it at this point. I don't know. I know if you like, can see, really this ruin is a superhero movie. I mean, you know what's going to happen. Um, Good guys, bad guy. guys, and then <laughs> and then there's some explosions, yeah. and then there's probably a makeout scene somewhere. Love interest crap, and then less of it with Snyder. Like there is love interest crap, but it's not the same love interest crap we see everywhere else. Good. That's important. Cool, because I hate the love interest crap. Except for, okay. I mean, it so exists there, but only in was, a way that you already know it exists within that universe. Oh, okay. Because like Mal and um, like what's bit, her face drove me nuts. Oh, Anara, Anara. their love interest, that pissed me off. But I loved Kaylee and the doctors. I thought that was so I'm, like just sweet, you know? It was more genuine. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, relationships. Sorry for like going back, but I was like, no. that's the one time I think, I think I've actually like that's what we were a love interest. Day, so. <laughs> I think we have talked as much as we can about that topic. I would oh, be sure interested in possibly doing a podcast about the two versions. I think that might be fun. Yeah. But no, oh, that'd be cool. Um, the favorite character for the show. Who is your yeah. favorite character? Mine is Kaylee. I like Kaylee. I think she is the genuine character. Like her personality yeah. is who she is. She isn't really hiding anything. I, I thought she was, you know, you see her banging some guy in the engine room, the original guy. She's not scared. Like she's not a sex worker, but she's not scared of it. She's, um, real in her relationships with each of the different characters. She plays jacks with uh River. She runs around with an apple chasing an apple. So she's she has this kind of connection with each of the characters on the ship, which I don't see from anyone else really. Um so I and in general I'm a fan of the genuine real per person. So that's my favorite character. How about you, Joey? The ship. I like the ship. I think it's neat. Serenity. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of it. I, I like the shepherd. I like him. Um, I think he's neat, but I think I didn't, I didn't find a whole lot of redeeming characters, characteristics in all of them. I do think Kaylee is very genuine and I think she, um, she's a neat character. I think she definitely holds the show. Um, 
And she certainly has the best and healthiest relationships of anyone on the show. But I felt like, what, what was it you called her earlier? Um, the, the wrench wench. Like she's, she's a tool. Um, <laughs> like that was, not, that's the, how a lot of the, that's like the, trope. the is yeah. the really good at fixing shit. And I don't feel like she totally fits Fixing that. Things. Yeah, I know everything about this, and I do it all just because I can. No, like, I think she does, she's actually. not so like she's not sexualized, you know, like. But they did when they had her in the engine room, like we were just they, talking about. They did. What's it, what is that, the guy said? Like, it, it makes her hot. Yeah, like, like that. That was unnecessary. But then the rest of the show, it was. It's not harped on. She wasn't. So it was a very. Yeah, it's it wasn't a core part of her character, but it did come up at least once. It wasn't, but it is there. And I felt like I felt like she was treated as though and and she even acted as though she was a little too innocent for somebody. I mean, where does she have any negatives? You know, like her personality seems very just mostly positive and she doesn't seem to have any of those negative traits or anything. So it's like, oh, what's the Not Manic Pixie Dream Girl one, but I think there's another one that's like, I can't remember. Sorry. So Max, who's your favorite character? Uh, I liked Kaylee and Wash and the Shepherd, I think the most. Um, it's hard because there's different parts of each character that you kind of connect with, or I don't know. Yeah, I thought by the end, I was starting to get each character. I was just like, mm-hmm. I was really starting to see who that actor was bringing out in that character. And I really, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would be why I want to have a chance to meet their stride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, so be it, it is what it is. I should watch the movie again. Mm-hmm. Cause I think there's closure there, but, um, I, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> I don't, okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I just I, think, I wonder night. if because it got canceled, because there's still so much more to know, is why it's also so popular. I think so. Because oh. it, there, it wasn't given a chance to really ruin it. I don't know if that makes sense, but to like overwrite or like it go on for too long, because you know how the U.S. likes to have shows that go on for like twenty billion seasons, and it gets. How much can you write? Yes. Mm-hmm. As my husband always says, it jumped the shark, right? So there was a, there's this uh, happy days. Happy days was on for a long time. And then there was an episode where Fonzie mm-hmm. jumped over a shark. And sure. that was the moment okay. where it's like, they've gone too far. Yeah, like there's no nothing else. Yeah. This, this is just, it's, it's too much now. Mm-hmm. And so we see lots of shows jump the shark now. Uh, one that we always think of as like moonlighting. There's just these points where it's like, okay, that was enough. Like we reached the mm-hmm. limit of how much we can take of this. It's hard for directors and actors to know when to step away sometimes. And, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't get that in Firefly or with a lot of things because sometimes they get canceled and we don't get that closure and we don't get to have them make the decision to end it and end it well versus mm-hmm. um let it flounder for a while before like well the contracts finally run out 
So we're just going to stop now because the last few seasons were bad anyway. Right. It's a very different way to end something. Yeah. Dollhouse was a Joss Whedon one that lasted, I think, just one or two seasons. And he wrapped it up. He ended the story um, because I think he knew it wasn't going to last long. So you don't hear a lot about that show. And it probably is because it had closure. It ended. And wrapped uh, up. Yeah. I think I think I read that they they canceled it because it was kind of sketchy how it was the show being like was that the one where they had their minds wiped or some yep. crap? Yep. Yeah. That's not creepy at all. It's and it's, yeah, look, it's very it's very similar it. to the Westworld <laughs> story. If you watch what have any of you watched Westworld? This is it's not some like out there and nobody else has done this kind of thing. I mean, yeah, we. Uh, it says Fox pulled back from the series, and we're unwilling to continue supporting the central idea that they were pro that they were programmed to love and have sex with strangers for money, which is what Westworld is about. Um, also. Uh, I haven't watched Westworld. When we first started our conversation, we were talking about how this show was very similar to what was a dark matter in the expanse. And I think that, and I mean, I, I feel this with a lot of things, not just this. I feel like Hollywood kind of doesn't have any more new ideas. We, I mean, it, it's not just the man with a thousand faces or the hero with a thousand faces where we have like Harry Potter, Luke Skywalker and um, Paul Atreides and Baggins, we're all the same character, right? It's it's more than that. Even even these other stories that are not the hero's journey, they're just being repeated again and again with different characters at the helm, and the characters are very similar. Um, it's becoming less hard now to sit down and watch something, a show, a movie, or whatever, and not be able to predict how it's going to go. It is disappointing, though, that, that some of those things can't be mixed up. It's, it's almost like well, we've got a formula and we know it works, so we're just going to keep selling it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to make a different type of smoothie. Yeah. And hire people that aren't cis white straight men. Yes. That'd be great. Because then maybe you'd get different ideas. <laughs> so as a podcast, we are, we are kind of at a crossroads here we have discussed a lot lately about uh female empowerment and our voices being heard and i thought a lot this week about do we do we stand up and say do we want to do shows like this one and talk about why it's a problem or do we want to support and talk about women run films and i think where I stand, and I'd love to hear your opinions or listeners' opinions, is that we should do both. We should we should continue to watch some of these that have these issues and why they're issues. Because if people don't voice them, and then read them for yeah, it. it needs to be out there. They're still going to exist. Yeah, if you don't bring up the problem, the problem only continues to exist and continues to worsen. And right. if we sit by and say, well, we're not going to talk about him because that's crap. We're just going to do something different. Then we're part of the problem. So I would, I would also advocate. Yeah. So I do want to make an effort to find and discuss some of these amazing films and TV shows 
with women creators, but I think we will continue yeah. to do a balance. So that's my take on it. And I just actually think thought about it this week. My only fear is like, if we're giving the more power, I guess, over having this conversation continue to be, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's not like not bringing attention to it. It's like giving them what more power to exist in a space or I don't, ah. Well, I think, I think if we talk about it in a way that, you know, we're not, we're not talking about their, just their film, right? We kind of dressed Josh Whedon down today and he deserved it. Um, and I think that as long as we point out the obvious problems, we're not, we're not just bringing them into our, into our space and giving them some agency with us. We're, we're bringing them into That's our the space word. and telling them what they did wrong. <laughs> agency. Or, um, you know, I, we can't let them have all the things that they want and then let them in here as well and continue taking. Like we can, we can watch something and see the problems with it and discuss those problems, which is mostly what we did today. We sat down to talk about Firefly and Serenity and we did kind of, mostly we talked about what we see as problematic because that's what this show kind of really had a lot of. And I think if we sit down later, just because we've already talked about Josh Sweden, if we sit down later and we want to talk about the two different, very different Justice League movies, um, when we talk about Josh Sweden again, we will also be talking about how problematic it was for him to be the partial director there. Um, mm -hmm. And as long as we are not talking about their films, the, the films of people who are being problematic and ignoring the fact that they're being problematic, yeah. as long as we're bringing that forward and talking about it, that's where we're kind of still in charge. We're not giving yeah. them anything. Mm -hmm. We're not giving them the credit that they want. We're giving them, we're, we're taking away from them. Like, not that I want to steal anything, but like, I don't want them to continue taking things from me. I don't want them to continue taking my time um, to, for me to invest in these things that I, I want to like when mm -hmm. I know that this isn't, this isn't somebody I want to support, right? Well, we have to hold them accountable for what, in our yeah. opinions, they have done wrong. And I think in this case, we have a lot of backing up to in a, an agreement from others that these are problems and uh, it's good to get that out there. You know, if someone hadn't told me more recently, I would have been, I would have like, and I did for a little while because I, I like DC a lot more than I like Marvel, but that's not to say that I'm a big comic book person. That makes sense. Um, but I thought that the Snyder Cut was a new Justice League movie. I didn't realize that it was the same movie done correctly. Um, and I think that I'm not the only person who thought that, right? I'm not the only person who had no idea. Um, I wasn't paying attention and people need to be paying attention. Yes. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, where do you rate Firefly? Joey? I got four. I would probably watch segments of it again, but I don't know that I'd watch the whole thing again. Okay. How about you, Max? Uh, old Max or past Max would have said 10, but re-watching and knowing what I know and all that still set a six. 
and I feel like it should be lower, but I think there's just this like memory of me loving it and just this. It's just, I can't do lower for some reason. Well, no one's trying to take away anything that you like, right? We're not trying to take right. away something that you've once found love and comfort in. Um, right. And you're still it's, allowed to like things, even if it's problematic. It's just, it's pretty problematic. Like the, <laughs> that's it where is. it becomes it upsetting. It's just like, okay, so how many times can you make a like sex work joke? Like the same how, one. Right. How many times can you keep being horrible? And it it does great on you as you watch it. So it's like I want. I think it's just because I still have these fond memories of it. But the reality is, it's not as great as I thought. I'll come back to it again later, and it'll probably be like a three. Well, watch. I'll watch the movie and then go. Oh God, was I thinking? This is rated nine. <laughs> this is rated nine point out of ten on IMDb. That is the viewer rating, and there's a reason for it. We've talked about it, right? It if you go by two thousand two standards, this is a you know it was worthy of some of those high kudos. So I rated it seven. Yeah. And I did that because I watched it as a groundbreaking thing years ago and liked it for that purpose. After our conversation, I do feel like I need to take it back a little bit and rethink that. Um, but even with everything that we have talked about and all of the things that I am knowledgeable about and say, this is wrong and I don't like it and I don't like, I would, I would maybe take it to a six, which is really low for me. If you see my ratings in general throughout these episodes, I'm like a seven, eight, nine kind of person. <laughs> Everything is pretty high. Ten for you, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, hey, I love this. I love this. I love this. And there are things that I loved about this. And I I like your enthusiasm I, a lot. I focus on what I love about things in general until something is just really bad. Yeah. And that's what TV and film is for me. It's it's mm-hmm. joy. It's what I do for fun, right? That and mm-hmm. everything. I guess I do most of my life is about fun. So never mind. <laughs> um, let's talk about what else we've been up to. What have you guys been up to? We've it, we've been off for a few weeks, so a lot. Yeah, I got a cat. I got a cat. You got a grandbaby. I got a cat, and <laughs> I love my cat. <laughs> What's your cat's name? His name is Miles Meow Brian. Oh. Um, yeah. I had to give him a Star Trek name, and my husband really did not want me to name him Clark. So, <laughs> Miles Meow Brian. Oh, but that would have been so good. That's Meow so Brian funny. Pretty funny, though. <laughs> yeah, the vet, the guy at the vet, like, definitely figured it out in like 0.2 seconds. So he goes, Is that his last name? I said, Yes. He goes, I mean, my friend, yeah. he named his cat Paula Abdul, but with a P-A-W, Paula. Paula. <laughs> I had a cat named Christopher, and instead of like with the P-H, it was F-U-R. <laughs> Fun. Max, what have you been up to? Um, I have a job helping with vaccine stuff, so I've been really busy. Um, I've 
think my dog was named after Carol Baskin and that's what <laughs> she's got like she's kind of stripy like so now type. I just make up like <laughs> I've taken the like what that was the song where it's like had a husband like whacked him or whatever like the, yeah and so I've just been changing them to like dog scenes like had a husband nommed him or chomped. <laughs> this is what happens when you're alone in a house with hanging out with your dog. <laughs> so I've had a very eventful few weeks. You've had the right? most my, exciting. Uh, last of my children moved out. I am now a empty <laughs> nester just with our our puppies and and my husband. And we had our first grandchild born. He is adorable. He is so cute. I love him, which is not a surprise. Zen. His name is Zen. Zen. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he's pretty cute. He's very adorable. Um, and he just lives a couple blocks away. So I get to visit occasionally. I'm trying to be very good about not doing it too much, not be uh, pushy, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to just do all these fun things. So other than that, I'm helping set up a new shop, which is really fun and keeping me busy and I'm quilting, which is keeping me busy. I'm yeah, busy bee getting a lot done. Yeah. You've been quilting a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's been making me want to get my sewing machine out. I, I have inspired a few other people to want to get their sewing machine out. I, I have, a, I just uh, have to get mine out for work. I, I just know I can't. You don't sound like you want to at all. <laughs> well, I don't have a solid plan. Like I've got a half plan and, and like, once I have a solid plan, I'll be fine. But until I do that, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why do you have to make aprons? I do know what I'm doing. I just, because we need pretty aprons with special pockets mm. and we can't find them for sale. So we have to make them, which is I just design them. And that's where I've been a hold up there procrastinating. <laughs> mm, that sounds fun. So coming up next, we are going to do um, Ready Player One and then The Matrix. Yeah, movies. that was a good book. So yeah. Uh, yeah, if if you isn't this another problematic person? Ready Player One is also problematic. Oh yes, and we get to have guests. We we're going to have guests, our first guest. For, yeah, so for The Matrix, we are going to have a guest join us. <laughs> so Ready Player One is a book and a movie. And we are mm -hmm. going to discuss, which, you know, if you've read the book, great. It, you know, we're probably not all of us will have. We, yeah, you we don't have, have some, to. Some yeah, people I'm sorry, not have. reading it. So it's okay. I it is very good. Yet, but I'm already going to say that the book was better. The book was so much better. I read the book I'm before sure. I saw the movie. And again, you get disappointed because you don't see half the stuff that's in the book. Um, that's what I heard. Yeah. And um, we, we are going to have at least one and possibly two people join us for the, um, the Matrix films. So that'll be fun. Cool. And we'll have We're Shoshi We're doing back. them individually, right? Yes. We are going to do three <laughs> separate ones. And then we will do a fourth one. The next one comes out, which is exciting. When what, is that? Is it this summer? Is, I think it's September. I don't know. But we'll be ready because we will have done these recently. I am always ready for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that's it for this week. Anybody have anything else? It was a heavy duty one. Thank you for joining us. And uh, 
if you loved Firefly before, sorry that we brought you down. <laughs> You're right here with us. Sorry. Yeah, because we're we're going through it ourselves. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.